Boomer in the Morning is on right now. Sportsnet 960 The Fan, Calgary. Hour two of the show. Guests join us on the hotline brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. The 13-time Consumer Choice Award winner for takeout. You got delivery. And for every dollar you spend, you earn points towards free pizza with the rewards program. Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, 6060 Memorial Drive, Northeast. It's Boomer, it's Pender, here on a Monday in the downtown studios. Game seven tonight. Round two concludes. Will it be the Rangers? Will it be the Canes moving on to take on Tampa in round three? Eastern Conference final. Just about set. And as you mentioned in the pin report, wild to see what Carolina is doing this postseason. They are perfect at home. They have yet to win on the road in this series against the Rangers. They've not had a lead in any of the three games. Outscored... Uh, where was it here? They're, well, their their power play. They've been outscored twelve to four in the three games in New York last round. They were four and zero at home and zero and three in Boston. Yeah, outscored fourteen six on the road there. So that doesn't that you know what that that doesn't that doesn't feel like uh, Rod the Bod hockey to me. Well, and they're doing it all at the starter too. Freddie Anderson's not appeared in this series. It's been Peter Kachukuk. Uh, and anti Ranta. Kochetkov. Yeah, Ranta, a Uncle couple Ante, stinkers. A lot of hockey there. You got yanked in their last one. Yeah, yeah. Not a great day on Saturday. And not the best. So where's so, so Freddie? Like what's good? Is he I thought he was skating a week ago. I thought he was getting close. You want to bring a guy in that hasn't played for a month? I don't know. Plus. Like that's the that's the hard part, right? If once he gets close, where are you putting him? It's game seven. You can't put him in tonight. I don't know that he's ready, but you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, where, where, where's a nice soft spot in the schedule? Are we got a, we got a Tuesday in Ottawa we can put him in? No? Oh. Just get in. Meanwhile, Shesterkin at the other side, on, on the other end, 37 saves. He was dynamite. And that's the thing. I, I don't think Rod the Bot, I don't think he'd be too pissed off about how his team's playing. I think they've been okay. Mm-hmm. But they, uh, they've been shesterkened a little bit. Shesterkened two helpers in that game on Saturday as well. So the Rangers, what do you got? They have won six in a row at home. Mm. And they've won four straight facing elimination because, as you mentioned as well, they were down 3-1 to Pittsburgh in round one. There's fought one. all the way back. And then went on Saturday in a must win. They're a plucky group. You know what they are? There's good stavers. They're really good stavers. Real good stavers. Yes. You got to appreciate that. They could open a stave house. Yeah, real good stavers. Who do you want moving on here? I don't know. I mean, the Rangers are kind of an interesting story because, like, look, that's a fun team. There's lots of talent. They got a phenomenal goaltender. It could set up Shosturkin v, uh, obviously, Vasilevsky, which, you know, that could be a debate on like who's the best goalie in the world at this point. Vasilevsky's had the best five years in the league for sure. But no one had a better year than Shesterkin. Lost star power there. But if you're looking for someone to beat Tampa, if you don't like Tampa for whatever reason, Carolina's played them last year. They were five-game series, but a lot of them are really tight. It's either one-goal games, overtimes, or empty nets, I think, in, in, in all of them. 
I, I don't I don't know. I don't really have a rooting interest either here. But, okay. But I think the Rangers are a little more exciting, aren't they? Well, let, let me ask you this then. What a, what if you're Hunter Ryan Singh? What if you're Louis DeBrusque? No, you want New York, yeah. Or David Amber? No, no, you're going New York. Because that's the Hundo. that's the broadcast crew Hundo. that will cover this series, Tampa versus Rangers or Canes. You would do? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Now, there's a little less travel rally to Tampa's. Yeah. But you're gonna say no to Manhattan this time of year? I'm probably not gonna. No, you can't. Look, if it's August and it's swassy, armpit, sweaty land, no. But the, you're this is wheelhouse for New York right now. And boom. late May, early June. And boom, like. Yeah. If the Rangers win tonight, the Jets get a first round pick. What? In the Andrew Kopp trade. Oh, is that right? Is what? that uh Rangers reach the Eastern Conference Final? That 2022 oh, first Dino. becomes Hold on your blue shirt for the, the other old blue Jets shirts. First, they'll have two. I'm giddy. No, you're not. No. Gee, that doesn't move the needle for you. No. What if you're a Jets fan? What do you mean? Uh you don't want another first rounder? You're no fun. Done with the Jets. Get out of here. Are they going to hire Trotz? What's going on there? Don't care. Well, someone's going to hire Trotz, and we're going to care. So do you think Harner Ryan and Louie and David rent bikes and go through Central Park looking at the, at the fresh flowers? Ah, <sighs> flowers in the air, flowers everywhere. They're just go kinda, see a Broadway show? Yeah, kind of skipping. Go see cats? Yeah. I'd like to see Wicked. Me too. This is the cafe the Seinfeld had. This is where Meg Ryan sat when she did the uh, orgasm scene and when oh, Harry met Sally. Careful. Yeah. I miss Letterman. Me too, David. Says Harner Ryan. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, let's get. I'm done with the Canes a little bit. I'm kind of done with the Canes. You can't win. You're now. You you've now established a little bit uh, some pock marks there. Get out. You can't win on the road. Get out. But if they could win on the road, I mean, no one's going to stop these guys. They're not going to lose at home. One for 14 in the power play in the series. And you got to, you got not the best. And you got bleep for goaltending. And I'm going to hear, I'm to, to Tampa Bay, you're going to need better than bleep for goaltending. Uh, Go at his numbers. I mean, he's been yanked a couple times, but he's been go, darn good in one building. We know that. Yeah. Go to his numbers at home and on the road is the problem. Everything with Goosh. that team is home and road. Come on. Well, they're, and they're at home tonight. So you tell me. I'm I'm not saying about tonight. I'm just saying going into a series against Tampa. Ranta beat it. You love Ranta. He's kind of a hurt bag, but he's a good goalie when he's healthy. He is a bit of a hurt bag. I mean, he's a, or, or a he's lot of a hurt absolutely bag. a hurt he's bag. A complete hurt bag. Remember when it was him and Kemper? You're like, good lord. Yeah. What? Uh... What happened to the goalie here? Uh, he didn't play his best, and the team was dog shirt in front of him defensively. I, I think in the first three or four games of the Edmonton series, three, they gave up more odd man rushes than they might in like a three-week stretch. We're, like Everyone was praising Evander Kane, and yeah, like he scored a lot of goals. How many were backdoor, two-on-ones, alone in the slot, you know, breakaway, backdoor, te- like, yeah. I where's know. the D? The whole identity, this is what we talked about with Sarich on Friday a ton, is like, how did you play a series where all the hallmarks of your team through 89 games, a full regular season in the Dallas series, are completely absent? 
Goaltending, team defense, smothering defensively, very good at suppression chances, holding the puck five on five. Like, where did all that go? And that's what they're working on five, five, five saddle dome rise there. But, um, yeah, Edmonton dictated the terms in which that series was played, and that probably surprised a lot of people, including all the experts that picked Calgary. Yeah, this is um, Brad Living. Let's let's hear a little bit from him talking about if you have the question or if you had the answer to the questions, then uh, you'd, you'd have addressed it. But just in a broad sense, what happened in round two? I just look at it. It became a really an open game. You know, um, if you guys were all watching the Dallas series, it was a you know, it was like ground warfare. It was hard to get to the net. It was there was no space, no room. And then that first game, it just looked like it was a different game, right? It was there was a lot of space, there was a lot of room. We got into a, we got into a sort of a rush game and a trade chance game. And you know, I think in a lot of ways, game one almost set the table for the series. It was unique, but that's not how we're built, and that's not how we're going to be successful. I mean, he's not he's not wrong in that it started in game one and it continued. But I'm, what was weird is that why don't you just throw out game one? Clearly, that's not how you wanted the series to play, but yet it continued to be played like that, right? That's the unusual part. You had leads of 2-0 and 3-1 in game two, and it, that was enough to lock down most opponents all year. They led the league in wins when they led after 20 minutes. They were 2-2 two and two this postseason when they led after 20 minutes. You ran into a buzzsaw in game three up in Edmonton. They were very good. I and you weren't. Flames were yep. not very good. Yeah. You lose and that one four to one. You could say it's the same as game yeah. one. The scores weren't close, but one team wasn't real good. The other team was pretty dialed offensively and yeah, not close. You get outside of that game and the Flames scored nine, three, three, and four. And for this team. That should be enough. That should be enough. Yeah. Not to just, not, don't lose in five. Maybe you don't win it, but that's got to be enough on a lot of nights. And and I'm with you. You watch the, because obviously the highlights have been rolling all weekend, and you see the the ability of the Oilers, and you do tip your cap, because, again, they they played great. That's, they they were played awesome. great. Yep. Their decor was better than you thought. They were way better 5-on-5 five five than you thought. The top line was dominant. Jay Woodcroft pressed all the right buttons. He puts uh, Hyman up there for game five. He was phenomenal all series and then explodes for three points in that game. Yeah. Like they, everything they touched turned to gold that series. But the when you watch the highlights, the amount, and this is not just scoring chance, this is pucks that went in. How many times it got in behind the defense mm-hmm. or it was a breakaway? It felt like Hyman was on a breakaway once a game. Yeah, sure did. And when Tanev came back, as dinged up as he was, it seemed to settle down the decor and stabilize him defensively. There was less odd man rushes, especially so in, in game five. But but for the first... Too many mistakes, yeah. unforced errors, and just that team defense that was the calling card of this club was pretty much absent for the series. They allowed 6-5-4-5-5. Five, five, five. And for the first time in... His life as a Calgary Flame, Jacob Markstrom facing some criticism and not looking like a elite level goaltender. Treliving was asked about uh, about Markstrom. I go to war with that goaltender any day of the week. He'd be the first one to tell you he didn't he didn't get to his game either. But there's a lot of things that happened before the puck went in the net before it got to Jacob that that didn't go right. Okay, so as I said in that series, it. We didn't look like ourselves. The chances that we were giving up, 
didn't look like ourselves. You need good goaltending, but there's a lot of things that went wrong. The final act is the play at the net, but back up the tape, 40 seconds. There's some things that happened before it got to the net. That's part of playing the position is you're ultimately going to, you always get the, the glory or the scorn if it doesn't go right. But to me, there's a lot of stuff we could have been done differently and be- better before it got to Jacob. And you know what? His first year here wasn't that great. He had a really nice run. The numbers overall weren't great. And there was a coaching change and the whole team sucked in front of him. But like, I'll push back a little. It's not like he's had two Vesna caliber seasons. He's had one. But this was this four or five goals a night. Yeah, and it's this is his worst stretch as a flame. Yeah, and and defensively, it's the worst stretch they had under Sutter. Like I don't think you can separate those two. I don't think that Markstrom has his worst stretch as a flame if they're actually defending like they did for eighty nine games, everything before this series. You go back to game two because it felt like that was you were up three to one in that game. There again, after wild game one, throw it out. You're up two nothing six minutes in. You've got to Mike Smith early in back to back games. To the point where you're watching for the hook there in game two, where it's like you got pulled in game one, one more. And I'm trying to remember, was it Backlund that had the chance and he bobbled yeah. it coming in? That might have ended the, the series for Mike Smith in a sense. Well, and I was say I was sitting watching that and I was thinking in my if it goes three nothing there, he's definitely getting the pull. Again. And two in a row. Wow. And, and who knows if that's a 2 nothing series lead. And remember, at that point, people are thinking very much that the Flames are going to win this series. I was thinking, we might not see Mike Smith again. They'll go to Koskinen in Game Could've. 3. If you get pulled two games in a row, they're going to Koskinen in Game 3. And then yeah. if they lose in Round 2, you get to the offseason. Is he a buyout? Mike Smith might be done. But instead, we're here a week and change later, mm-hmm. and he's off to Round 3. But then mcdavid and then bouchard on a power play and hyman on a breakaway and dry on a breakaway. the shorthanded goal was the backbreaker that felt like oh boy you had one here you let it get away and instead of being up 2-0 going to edmonton where a split sets you up to win in game five now you've lost home ice and that place gonna be wound up and it was the kevin woodley's numbers from uh clear analytics they had him at a boat Five and a half goals under expected, over expected in terms of uh, the goaltending. So that's minus five and a half. He allowed a goal a game essentially more than he should have, which sounds about right because they were that bad defensively and he still made a ton of big saves. Yeah, he did. And so it's like you can't just hang it on one guy. Like he certainly wasn't great, but I mean, who had the worst series? He or the top pair? They can, you can debate it. It just felt like that was the one area. When you get into the playoffs, you've got you got the hammer because you've got two series in a row. You've got an all world goaltender, (laughs) right? Goalie's voodoo, man. And you had to you got the seven in round one and nearly didn't nearly didn't get through. Louis Domingue outplayed Igor Shosturkin for a week. Like crazy things happen at that position. The opposite almost never happens. You don't have fourth line pluggers outplaying McDavid ever with goalies for a week. Why not? It's crazy. But yeah, I mean, he's your guy. You got four more years. Nothing's going to change there. You got one more year of Ladar that probably nicely allows Wolf to replace him before you've got to get him his next contract. You can swap him out for some assets. Like, there's they're set up very nicely in net. That's the one area of the club long-term where I think it's pretty easy to put the pieces together in terms of a contingency plan long-term. 
it was, I guess, at the end of every, you think of the last two years, at least the last two years. Season comes to an end. Bradshaw Living sits down in front of the media. He's asked questions, and he says, more or less, if not verbatim, I feel like we underperformed. This team is capable of more. This team is better than what we showed. More or less the same kind of thing on Saturday. There's times you play, and you know what? We're, we weren't good enough. You know, we, we just weren't good enough. I don't feel like that with our group. We didn't play well enough. I think our team was good enough. But we didn't get to the game that, that had made us successful all year. And again, there's two teams on the ice every night, right? So you have to, you have to tip your hat to the, the opponent. But I just feel there was more there. So it's an interesting point. I'll play it again. I don't feel like that with our group. We didn't play well enough. I think our team was good enough. And I, again, I, I kind of tend to agree with them. Well, who doesn't? Everyone picked the Flames to win well, this series. Like, of course, that's exactly how everyone feels. But at what point is it the, the breaking point? Well, that's great. You, you have a team that's good enough, but you don't play well enough. When do you look at it and maybe we're not good enough? I don't know. Is that, is that where fans are right now? I don't think now, so. Obviously, Sean Monahan was not part of this postseason. He'd, pretty, he'd a, become a pretty large non-factor. I, I, we're going to have to – we don't know what he was or wasn't playing through and how much it affected or didn't affect his play. But I only bring him up because he's been part of the nucleus of this team that's been criticized mm-hmm. at the end of seasons. And when fl- fans are clamoring for change, his name is one of the first that's brought in. How this one ends, I don't know. And we will talk about it over the course of time. But the nucleus of the team more or less remains the same. Here's more from Brad. And at the end of the day, I know we can talk about for the last 50 years, we haven't done this at the organization. This, this player group can't take responsibility for the last 50 years. 19, 18, 19, we, that was sort of the start of this group. Of, okay, now, then we went through a two-year period where the world got turned upside down, okay? Then we went into a bubble. And um, we took some steps in the bubble. We had a mini-series, whatever you want to call it, against Winnipeg. We lost to a team that went to the final. But I thought we took some steps. We took some steps. Last year was a, it was a bad year, okay? We've talked at nauseum, maybe some ideas. So to me, you, you got to keep you, – you, you, you keep knocking on the door. You... And more from that, talking about are you seeing growth despite another – another failure in the playoffs with more or less the same group. For us, it is different. The Colorado series, we had a really good regular season. I thought well, we weren't even in that series. I think we got steamrolled, right? This one is different. Now, at the end of the day, I can sit here and say it's different. The result's the same, but you hear it all the time, but it is very much process-driven, right? And, and I thought our process was right. The result may be the same, but to me, this team has taken some big steps. Nobody wants to hear it, but you have to keep, you got to keep knocking on the door. You got to keep knocking on the door. You got to keep knocking on the door. You look at a team last night in Colorado, they got to the second round for the first time in 20 years. Now, that group of players, they shouldn't be taking the burden for 20 years, but it's probably five or six years for that team. You keep knocking on the door. Tampa Bay, right? Tampa Bay, before they won, there was, there was some pain before you win. So as much as we all want it, and when it doesn't happen, you know, there's going to be criticism and it should start right at the top. It always should. I fully am responsible, but the job is to you, you keep tweaking and you, you get the group back and you get that experience. This group now goes into next year with an experience of winning around, winning a game seven, going into an overtime of game seven. Those are all things you can't get the experience. It's like talking to a young player about playing against an NHL player. You have to live it. 
So now they've got that in their toolbox a little bit. You take the experience from it, you, you take a step back, and you find out how you can make yourselves a little bit better. So as a Flames fan, and we'll go to break, you can text in at 960-960. Do you agree? Are you good with what, with what that is? There's going to be change inevitably anyway. They're not bringing the exact same crew we talked to. they got, what, six forwards and 4D with contract. The Only half their top six yeah. needs a deal. That's it. The team is going to look very different next year. But are you, are you on board? Do you agree with that assessment? Or do you disagree? And do you feel like... Goudreau, for Kachuk, it's been, what, six years that he's been here? More than that for Johnny, more than that for, again, Monaghan, but I think he's kind of excluded from this group. Uh, are you good with it? Lindholm, to the same extent, he's been part of this as well. Or with an offseason like this where Goudreau's contract is up and Kachuk needs a new deal and Monaghan is in the ether somewhere, is this the time to make a major shift? You can text in, 960-960. We'll come back. More from uh, True Living. We'll hear from Johnny Gaudreau as well. Matthew Kachuk coming up. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. This is Boomer in the Morning with Ryan Pinder on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Coming up in about an hour, Connor McGahee, radio play-by-play voice of the Colorado Avalanche, will join us. We've had some fun with his... uh, Entertaining calls this year. He's into it. He's got a few more goal calls left. At least a few games. As the Avalanche will take on the Edmonton Oilers in round three. That series opens up tomorrow in Denver. There you go. Just throw like the, that. Throw the chapeau. And all that sort and of thing. And then Wednesday will be whoever wins tonight against Tampa. What is our home ice situation there? Is it is it row wins? Is it uh, regulation wins? This rag wins. If is there a tie in points? Is that what you're suggesting? The Tampa Bay Lightning and New York Rangers both finished with 110 points. One more win for the Rangers. They're going to host. So whoever wins tonight will have home ice in game one to Wednesday. There you go. That'll be a decent little uh, perk for the Rangers. They've been good at home, as we mentioned. Six in a row at home. Madison Square Garden. I think they had five in 94. That was the franchise mark that yeah. they've tied. Now yeah. bested, if I'm correct. Yeah, good for them. Yeah, good for them. Chips a chip. <laughs> <laughs> a chip is a chip. You got to try this three-wheeler out. Okay, that's great. <laughs> Appreciate it. Uh, I'll pitch anything. Just pay me cash. Whatever. Yeah. Uh-huh. Look at look at me. So uh, McGahey coming up in uh, in under about an hour. In a little bit less than an hour. Asked you before the break, talking about the Flames as we kind of it's the the, well, the 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 eulogy, the post mortem. Still very fresh, but at the podium at the the dais on the weekend, Living asked questions about the season that was the postseason that ended. Did it end abru- abruptly? For sure. Was it? Premature, hard to hard to. Uh, they got to round two. If you'd learned that start of the year, you'd have been this is this is an unbelievably successful season, incredible success. And yet, I don't know if you feel that way today. If you're a fan, you look back. You've got a guy up for coach of the year. You got a guy up for goalie of the year. Half the roster had career years. Let's be honest. Maybe the whole decor, both goalies, your no, whole top line. No, Lady Bing, though. Right? 
Well, Johnny, just too mm. dirty. Yeah. Trelevin was asked about changes. I believe in that group. We've got work to do this summer. We've got to find a way to be better. Staying the same is death. You have to get better. We have to get 10, 15% better internally. We've got to see if there's tweaks that we can do to the roster to make it better. But I think there's, there's great leadership that are calming voices in here. But at the end of the day, it's like the student. Sometimes the student maxes out. Maybe, maybe the student's a, a B student, right? And you max out. So you're always looking to max out. I didn't think we, I think we left some on the table here. That's what leaves you with a little empty feeling. Now you got to find out why and you got to improve. I mean, hard to improve. You're handing out some raises here and there. So it doesn't sound like a guy who's fed up with his group. No. Why would you be? Everyone said they were, uh, yeah, probably not good enough to make it. Maybe they can make the play. Bad division. They won the division. They allowed the fewest goals at even strength in the NHL this year. Half their players had career years. This was a great, great season. Don't let 10 days of hockey change your mind. Small sample size, beware. It would be a text of coming in. But I think it would be a mistake to blow up the team. But I do think you lose Maddie or Johnny this year, though. I don't know. I mean, um, I think it's probably more likely that both are back next year, to be honest. Well, it, Matthews. Pinch point doesn't have to be this off season, and if you just were forecast, <coughs> excuse oh, me, oh dear, you're choked up. See, even just the thought of him leaving has got you all. Uh, no, if you tried to up. handicap it, I think you're probably leaning. He stays more than he goes, aren't you? It's nothing more than a guess, but I would, right. I would say, but, yeah, I think, I think he's the Kachuk when all bets are off to me. The the Goudreau and I I can't help but wonder if he looks at it big picture and like he says you sit down with the family and your wife and your your agent and all of that it's a pretty good scenario you have here. You hear Blake Coleman talk about it. Yeah, it's an interesting take for sure, and he's not wrong. And there's it's just the more people you talk to, the more different areas, the more you heard. There's a lot of arrows that are okay leaning towards him returning. The uh, the comments from Coleman essentially suggesting what you look at what Johnny Gaudreau has done already as a flame. You tack another eight years potentially onto that. And that number is going to the rafters. You're talking about the greatest player to play for that franchise. If his career continues on that trajectory and path offensively, he's at least in the conversation, right? right? He's in Jerome land. He's in, you know, Meek is very different, shorter time, but dominance, you know, Theo's track record. McKinnis for the time he was here was incredibly elite. I mean, you're into royalty and you know, I think when like, look what Gio did. He's at the end of his career now. He's not a one Jersey player anymore. He re-ups in Toronto for basically league minimum for two years. Why would he do that? Fit legacy. And yeah, if you're a leaf and you accomplish something, you can show up and get paid all day, all year to do whatever you want. It's a great place to be an alum. And that's here too. It's not Toronto, but we were at that alumni tournament. There is absolutely a legacy piece that's a part of your brand when you're done playing. Not that that's what he's concerned about, yeah. but I think it doesn't hurt. And, and guys understand that there is some value. And like, I think it really hurt Gio. He didn't end up being a one jersey player. And obviously, that was circumstances outside of the team and his choices that led to that with the expansion draft. But 
there, I think there is some still some mystique about that to be a one jersey guy or to to go down as as one of the greatest in a, in a franchise's history. And it's what what you can couple that with is that you're not asking him to then take less money. You're probably going to get more money and have that as part of the deal as well. I don't I don't total know total dollars probably. Yeah. yeah, I don't know that there's going to be and you never we may never hear exact contract offers and what the money might be but i'll be curious to see if he gets the free agency how much money is out there and is it is it actually more than what the flames can offer on an eight-year contract if they i think the aav he'll probably get offered more i just don't see the the total dollars it's gonna be really tough for someone to put more money on the table than johnny now after taxes it's a different conversation but if you if we get to july 13 and get to find out he gone because that eighth year comes off the table, if I'm correct, once yeah. you get to free agency. So the question is, how does Johnny's group gauge the market before the, the market opens? There used to be that legal tampering period. I don't know that that's around there I anymore. think it's gone. So do you just say, hey, if I had a player with 115 points, how would you value that? And let's say he was 27 or 8. Uh, you know, like, yeah. there's ways around it. They'll get a sense of what's there. What they might not be able to do is get two GMs bidding against each other frantically on in the opening few hours of free agency, but I, I don't know that it's that hard. There's a lot of really good comparables out there. It's not like this is uncharted. We've seen a lot of players of his age get extended, paid, you know, like I think Panarin's a pretty good comp. I don't think they're identical players, but I don't know that I can think of a star player that's more like Johnny than him. Like who's going more like U- Johnny than Panarin? That's been that, that's out there. Like that goes into UFA, yeah. They, and he got eleven point six. So if you go eleven point six times seven years, and you add the eighth year, what does that look like? Well, the cap was there when he signed; it's here now. I mean, there's a ballpark for where he's at, and there's also guys of similar caliber that stayed with the teams that they're at and took less money because they bought into being in that place and knowing that the team around them would be better if they took a little less. In theory, if you trust your GM. Not like McDavid did with Shirelli. That was a mistake. Here's Gaudreau. He was asked about his legacy here in the city. Yeah, it's it's important. I, I hope uh, whether I'm here for the next eight years or not, who knows what happens. But um, when my time does end here, you know, I hope you know people you know remember is remember me as you know a good person off the ice, a good teammate, um, and uh, just a good person. I think I don't really. You know, that people can think what I did on the ice. But, uh, you know, for me personally, I think just want people to know, you know, how uh, how grateful I am for them welcoming me here. And then uh, hopefully it's a few more years there and they can get stuck with me. Is that a tell off the start or am I squinting? I'll play it for you. Yeah, it's it's important. I, I hope uh, whether I'm here for the next eight years or not, who knows what happens. But. Eight, I, I don't know. I mean, we're eight years. You're saying you don't read tea leaves, and now you're asking me if that's a tell. Look, it's positive that he mentions it. It doesn't mean that he's here. Uh, but again, I think this is leaning towards return more than leave. And we have to rewind. A year ago, we had these chats, and people were convinced. I guess what my what I was going back. What I was going to say is not so much is he staying or going. Just the eight. Am I staying for the next five or six years? No, no. Am he I knows staying for? Eight. If he's staying, it's an eight-year deal. We all know that, right? I don't know that that's a tell at all. You don't have the season he had and take less money. You take it all. So that's that's what it is. 
it's all the money and all the term or not. And as we've established over and over, that's in a way that's the the advantage, if you if you will. Totally, that, it absolutely is. It doesn't sound like much. It sounds so silly when they made that change in the CBA. Oh, and if you stay with your team, eighth year is the max. A different team, seven year max. Okay, who cares? Well, all of a sudden, another team's going to have to offer like a million and a half more per season to match them on total dollars. Now, where is it here? Uh, he was uh, True Living was asked going back. The Gaudreau, well, let me play here. He was asked, of course, Brad Trilliving. So Johnny Gaudreau, good player. Hey, do you want to get him back? I think he's a Calgary Flame, and we want to make him a Calgary Flame for a long time, and we're going to do everything we possibly can to make that happen. We saw what he's capable of. I've believed in this guy since the day I walked through the doors here. That's an important uh, piece of business that we got to take care of. So, again, now he was asked, the Kachuk contract an extension. It's not. Ex- it's not the same. One's an RFA. One's a UFA. Are the are the two linked? Every contract is intertwined. At the end of the day, you live in a cap world where you got twenty three mouths to feed, and uh, you treat everybody fairly. But not everybody gets treated the same, or they'd all make the same. I don't know what what else to say other than um, we're going to do everything we possibly can to to get him signed. I know we want him to be a Calgary Flame. He's been one his whole career. Um, I think he's got a chance to be one of the greatest ever to play in the history of the, of the franchise, and there's been some great ones. So we're hopeful that uh, we can get it done. So nothing's earth-shattering. Sh- earth I think but- it's a positive Saturday takeaway because both sides spoke glowingly of each other, and there was not like a, uh-oh. It wasn't like Panarin and Bobrovsky in Columbus here, right? It's a very different vibe. I don't know about the Kachuk one, though. Why not? Kachuk one, I just wonder. No, but everyone was wondering about wonder. Johnny a year ago. I mean, yeah. I just wonder. Wonder a little bit. It, it, it kind of hit me this morning when I looked. It's like six years. He's been here six years already. Where's the time gone, man? Like, where's the time gone? Does it feel like entry he's... level three year contract just ended? Six years. Yep. Does it feel when when you think of of Kachuk in a Flames jersey? Does it feel like he's put in that much time? And Ish. I guess COVID, you know, warps are two shorter years or altered yeah. or augmented. But like, he wasn't a rookie in the bubble in Edmonton. That was a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was a big year for him on the ice because I think he's less the rat and more the player in terms of how he's viewed around the league and maybe how he's respected around the league. And you could start to squint and see a guy that maybe could wear a C rather than that. We can't have that guy talking to the rest. You know what I mean? I know there's a lot of maturity this year for him on the ice. So as we sit here today. Maturation. Yeah, it is match. I feel like there's less criticism. I've been trying to get, get a feel from people. Because everybody's still kind of stunned about it. So what happened? Well, the the team that played better won in five games. And when you lose in five, it's pretty sobering. You you really weren't that close. You may have been close at times, and you may have had leads and all of that. But in terms of a best of seven and you lose in five, you you got booted. Tip a cap. And 
who is where? It, are there goat horns this time around? It doesn't feel like Goudreau has them this time. It doesn't feel obviously Monahan didn't play. Who is it? Just Kachuk had a disappointing series. The Foley was very unimpactful. The decor was, you know, a circus for three games. The goalie had his worst stretch of hockey as a flame. But I don't think any of those things mean those aren't good players. It was just a bad stretch for that group. I said to you off the air, part of it is, too, if you want to talk about how you're going to assemble this team, do you want to keep Gaudreau? Yeah, you do. You want to keep Kachuk? Yeah, absolutely. Kachuk, while he had a rough series, and you heard Brad talk about it, maybe it's a hand injury, which we wondered. Game got two into, against Dallas. He's looking that at that fight, paw. And his, his hand was bleeding and bust open in the penalty box, and you wondered about it. Not an excuse. Still managed to score some, some big goals along the way. But you saw this year, I think he silenced, to your point, silenced a lot of critics about what he is and who he is. There's some maturity there. But when you are trotting out, could Branson, Zadorov, Stone on a next-to-regular basis? And Shillington without Tanev. And then Shillington, who had a great year but is still very young. And And was playing through something we found out as well. Well, that Shoulder. shoulder, yeah. Because he, he's pretty rammy at the best of times. That's not... Can't skate, Dean. He's falling down all the time. I mean, it's not... It's not the caliber of, of defense that you would expect from a defense-first type of a team. So, if, can you keep Johnny? Yeah, keep him if you can. Can you sign Kachuk? Yeah, but I, I don't know about the... I mean, is Zadorov really... Is that who you want to bring back? I don't think they can afford to win a bidding war for Nikita Zadorov. I think there's other teams more desperate with more cap space. If you're winning the bidding war for Nikita Zadorov, I'm worried you've lost Kachuk or Gaudreau. And I just wonder, are you, are you past that anyway? Do you want someone who's maybe not as, I guess, not as good a skater or doesn't have that size? Because here's the thing. He's big. I didn't think he was overly nasty. Nasty at times, had some big, big hits, hits. But I don't, I don't think he was all in all intimidating. Do you, would you rather maybe somebody who isn't as big or doesn't skate as well, but who is better defensively? I, I, I mean, I think the problem they're, they're up against here is that their top priorities are going to leave that well down the list. You're not going to solve your left side third pairing defender before you figure out Gaudreau and Kachuk and Manjapani and even theoretically Shillington. Now, Shillington to me is a fascinating one because he's basically been a, a seventh defenseman for two years and then steps into a top four role. And he does it next to a guy that for the entirety of his career, whoever's playing next to Chris Tanev looks really good. Better than they do when they play with anyone else. Can you put someone else in that Tanev hole and save yourself the Shillington raise? Or conversely, do you believe you've that Shillington, something's clicked here, mm. and you now have a guy that moving forward is only going to be a bigger part of this team that could run the first power play? Man, these tools are elite and rare. Like that to me is is a really big question because you can sell me both sides of that. I could hear the sell high argument on Shillington and put someone else next to Tanev, and I could also hear the you don't just move guys with tools like that and that he's figured it out. And look, he had a lot of reasons to bitch the last few years and didn't. He just worked harder. Like I, that to me is the one where I really can't peg it. I think Zadorov's a really tough squint and see him returning because there's just too much money dedicated higher priorities above him. I think Man Japani they find a way to get it done. 
but Shillington is the really fascinating. Like I have, a, I'd have a really tough time pegging that one. Arb two, right? Mm-hmm. How does an arbiter look at what he's done? Because it's not just one year that comes in to factor it. If it's just one year, you're like, wow, look at the output, look at the minutes. But the person ruling on that case will also look at two years ago where what happened? He was on a taxi squad and hammered popcorn all year. The thing about Shillington now is if he does move on or you trade him, you're not – I think you'd, you'd be thinking you're, you're not trading him for potentially pennies like it was before. It, it could be a sell it's – a, it's, a, it's the most he's been worth in his career right now. Yeah. The question is what's he going to be worth in a year? It may not be sell high, but it might be at least closer to selling at market rate well, it's, or, or, it's or value. It's sell high for his career right now, right? We don't know how next year goes. He's never been worth more than he has right now. You know that. It's just, do they believe internally there's way more growth or this is his ceiling? I'm with you on on him. I'm I'm loath to predict in a way because I didn't see all of this coming. You Nobody knew he could saw it. skate, yeah. but no one could really see it coming. But then you also saw how his game deteriorated without Tanev there. But he was also hurt. He was also had a and bad And the shoulder. offense was there, but then it faded pretty hard in the second half. Like It's a fascinating case study, this one. But he does strike you as a guy that has the tools – to skate, but is always going to be a little bit unaware, is going to need that calming influence, which you can have. It's fine. A lot of teams do it. got it locked up for another two years. I mean, Tanev, the course of his career will tell you he's going to miss some games with injury. It finally happened. Worst time is a flame. But also that, you know, you go for two years. If you, if you, you don't have to have Shillington without Tanev necessarily. You can keep him right there. It worked. You like his speed. You like his his. You like everything about him except the settle down. Now there were a couple times, and I think we talked. Was it round one where he took the interference call when you really didn't need to? Just skate, just remain calm. And I don't know if that's still a. Is that because here's a guy that's in what almost feels like his rookie year of playing full time hockey? It's basically his first postseason, isn't it? It's his first real because postseason. Because he they added uh, Gustafson. And Forbert at the deadline before the bubble playoff. And that was against Winnipeg and Dallas. So he wouldn't have played there. And then I'm thinking back to Colorado. I don't know. Like Valimaki played in that series. I don't think he and Valimaki were in the lineup. Like that, you got to allow a guy to get into the playoffs and figure out what it's all about and learn about where the line is and don't get too high. Don't go too. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't think you're watching one playoffs for a guy at his age and be like, well, we know he can't play in the playoffs. No. Well, let him figure it out. But but maybe you really want to keep him and you love the player. You're just out of dough. That's a really real possibility here. And I feel the same way about Milan Lucic. That's a really nice luxury to have. A guy that's tougher than everyone else out there that you can play in small minutes and who's a leader who's been through great wars. Can they afford that luxury? I don't know that they can if they're bringing all these other guys back. And for Sean Monaghan, maybe, you know, gosh, the boys love him. And with a second hip procedure, he could have helped this team. You might not be able to afford that to, to wait and find out with that either. They need to move money out if they're bringing back Kachuk, Manjapani, Gaudreau, and theoretically Shillington. Yeah. There's, they need a ton of money. So, I mean, we'll take a break. We could talk about it. So what do you, what do you think the money is on, a, on Shillington? I mean, he's under, under a million. Yeah, he's, right. He needs a huge raise, probably triple your salary. Is he a three to four? Mm-hmm. 
this is why I'm so curious about arbitration because it's not just this year they look at. So maybe it's high twos on a two or three year deal and that allows he to build a bigger case and for the team to like if it, if it's going to be more than four they just they're going to have to walk from him or mm-hmm. trade him or do something but so I don't I don't know that that's necessarily where the number gets yeah, to. Yeah, and I don't see how it can be because you're right. When you look at the body of work he's played 168 games. So like half of his career was this year. <laughs> right? 73 of them coming this season. Yeah. And if you've been focused on the Flames a lot over the last four or five years. It was a great year. But for what it is in terms of market and comparables league-wide, it was a fine season. If he'd put three seasons like that together, this is an expensive ARB case. Because top four guys that can put up some points just tend to get four and a half or more. But he's only done it once. And if you get into a case, you can start looking at other things and saying, well, here's when this guy wasn't here. And well, just a year ago, look at this. Uh, if they're going to get it done, it feels like a really short-term, lower-money deal where he can, quote, prove it over more than one season. Break, back, Sportsnet 960, The Fan.